Well, NICA is upon us. High schools have started writing. NICA insurance has kicked in. The Maybird season's kind of over. Um, and we're moving into the race season in two weeks now, right? Yep. Yeah, the first NICA races are in a couple weeks. We've, we're finished with Nationals. Um, Maybird, mostly what Maybird's... And when we finish with the I-Cup as well, I-Cup series as well, mostly what Maybird's going to be doing moving forward are just my famous long rides that I'm so fond of. Oh, yeah. Those are the best, Dan. You know, Tour de Sagebrush, all the classics. Yeah. But, you know, we are kind of in that sort of transition point into a lot of what a lot of kids would consider, like, you know, their A races with Nika. Um, and if you surveyed Maybird, the majority of, of kids wearing Maybird jerseys are mostly concerned with their Nika performance. Um, and there are some kind of special considerations, I think, to make your Nika season work ideally. It's a much later mountain bike series than most people focus on in our part of the world, I think it's fair to say, right? Yeah, and it's a long series with a lot of important races. It's almost similar to, to some of the, you know, how a lot of the pros race with, with the demands, so... Yeah, so we're going to touch on that. We also wanted to circle back a little bit on a couple of things from uh, our, our last episode that we wanted to, you know, to dive into a little more deeply or clarify. Touch on that as well. I uh, got a few questions from people this week. We'll try to answer all of them uh, throughout the course of the episode today. And um, and yeah, you know, I, I look forward to this. Nike is always fun. You know, it's, it's fun to see people wrap up the Nike season and be able to kind of reflect on the season. Um, you know, and then look look forward to the season ahead. And then if you're me, do some cross. So we'll touch on that a little bit too. Um, yeah, dive right in. So a couple of things to circle back on from last week's episode. What do you want to touch on first? Well, first of all, I just hope everyone got a chance to listen to that because nutrition, I, I almost can't really express just how important it is. It's not just going to make our cycling better. It makes our whole body better. It, it, it literally can make a better version of ourselves. But there are a few things I just kind of wanted to maybe touch on, reemphasize, just to kind of so we can keep some focus on, on that important topic. Um, you know, the first thing I was just thinking about it is, you know, when I look at an athlete, if I if I saw two athletes standing side by side, they could weigh the same, their muscles, they could be equally muscular looking. Um, but I really couldn't tell you which one was faster by looking at them because our speed and our strength kind of, it comes in like a, on a cellular level. And it, it really comes down to a lot of our cells and and a lot of this strength just comes from our nutrition, you know, combined with our workouts. But the nutrition is just essential to be healthy on a cellular level. So, um, but I, I did want to reemphasize that probably the worst thing you could do is, is underfuel and, and undernourish yourself. And one thing I wouldn't want to have happen is people think, oh, no, we can't eat processed carbs, or we got to avoid processed carbs. So they just stop eating things. And I think a better approach would be rather than focus on the things that you can't do, just add more good plant-based items to your, to your lifestyle. And so just by adding more, you 
will have less room for the highly processed carbs that you should avoid other than when you're actually working on the bike. And this this is one of those things that I'm I'm glad we're touching on in this setting too because if you look at you know anytime bicycling magazine or Velo News does an article about how to eat it's not geared towards a youth athlete. It's usually geared towards somebody who's in their 40s or 50s who's trying to balance the goals of performance and weight loss. And weight loss really isn't I don't think an appropriate goal for most of our you know youth athletes to be focusing on. So what we're really focusing on here is is fueling your machine ideally not trying to balance the double goals. Of, I mean, like, if your doctor says you need to lose weight, again, fine, whatever. Most of our kids, I don't think that's something that um, you should emphasize with your nutrition. And we want to clarify that that's not what we're trying to say here. Like, you know, we don't want neighbored kids getting fat by eating lots of cold cereal or something. Like, we're saying, you know, like, find ideal ways to fuel mach- your machine so that you can perform at your best level. Oh, yeah. What I'm really just trying to say is just start adding more healthy plant-based foods, whole foods, healthy foods into your diet. And I think that'll naturally leave you less room for the, the stuff that's not as healthy. So, and, um, yeah. So I think that's kind of all I just wanted to revisit a little bit. If you didn't listen to the episode, go back and listen to it. I think, I think nutrition is just an easy way to get faster. And something really quick that's, that's helped me a lot. And I know that most, uh, or a lot of you are old enough that this is something you can consider is like, um, you know, I kind of got to a point in my life where like my mom's not cooking me dinner every night. You know, sometimes I'm staying with my girlfriend or I'm in different places or whatever. And, um, I went and bought like a rice cooker for like nine bucks on Amazon, you know, and like a crock pot and a couple other things like learn how to make a really basic like thing of rice and learn how to cook some chicken. You know, like I was always either like if, if somebody and wasn't vegetables and vegetables, but like if somebody wasn't cooking a meal for me, there's a great chance I was just going to like go to a restaurant really quick and grab, you know, like an $8 sandwich. And this is probably not as good for me. So like think of practical ways that you can um, improve your fueling um, kind of strategy. And one of the ways is just learn how to cook some basic things. I, I was considering doing, I thought that would be an interesting episode, but we'll tool around with that later. Um, do you want to move on to Nike stuff or do you want to yeah. touch on? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's move on to Nike stuff. So again, Nike season starting in about two weeks. A lot of you have had long seasons, lots of midweeks, I-cups, national races. Um, so you really kind of have to stick the landing, I think, to have an ideal Nike. I mean, how many times have you seen kids work really hard and then have a lame Nike season because they just didn't manage their, their training well? Oh, all the time, yeah. All the time. Yeah, so so I've, just got, I've got five things that I want to go over in regards to the Nike season. But first, this is something that's just like – kind of covers everything. It's just a great training principle in gen- in general. Um, but I'd say probably the biggest thing to remember, first of all, is consistency. Um, I know so many kids that are disappointed with their race results, and they're only riding once, maybe twice a week. And if you're only riding once or twice a week, that's a guaranteed way to be very mid-pack, lower division. It's just not enough. If you do a survey of, of 100% of the kids at Nike races, I would say the vast majority of them ride once or twice a week. You know, like the middle of the pack is full of oh, kids who ride once or twice a week. I, I think there's some kids that like show up to races and ride occasionally in between. I mean, but, you know, you've got like your your national level riders and your, your top varsity riders. I guarantee every one of those kids is riding at least five days a week. And I, and I think five days a week is probably the ideal amount. I don't think seven is better. Five's a really good number to shoot for. Um, 
but yeah, the, the top national kids, the varsity kids, it's a group of, of kids that are riding a good five days a week. I don't think it is possible to compete. Even if you had two perfect days a week, I don't really think you're ever going to be able to compete with the top level kids who are just getting that amount of frequency. Well, yeah, there's just no way because um, once you start building, you know, you really want two high quality workouts a week, but you also need to get all that aerobic base into, and you just can't do that in two days. No, so, like you cannot. Yeah, consistency is just key. I mean, there's there's kids that kind of run hot and cold. Um, yeah, and, and consistency wasn't even on my list. I just kind of thought of that right before we started to talk. You know, but it just, is a good call. Like, if you're listening, it's like, I want to get faster, and you're riding one or two days a week, ride more. Turn off the podcast. Like, that's that is it's just that simple. Five seconds just to ride your bike more days of the week. If, if you're doing one or two, that's all you need to do. Don't worry about any of the other complicated stuff. Yeah. Yeah, ride, ride five days a week and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out for you, you get your money back. Yeah. So, okay, so just keep that in mind. But my first one is, is it's now time to start building. Usually building, you know, when you're talking about periodization, you've got your base, your build, and then your peak is kind of how most seasons are broken up or sometimes that's repeated twice during a season. Um, usually a build period is most professional coaches recommend between six and eight weeks for a build period. Um, with, with NICA, it's, it's such a long season that you, we've got to push the long end of a build period. You can either build through the first race or be destroyed by the last one, kind of. Like, I don't think anybody can be at their A game all season long. Yeah, so if you start building the day this podcast comes out, That'll put you at about 10 weeks before state championship, which is, a, I'd say, on the long end of builds. Like, you're going to be fine because you're youth and you recover quickly, but that's kind of the long end of, of a build. So, but you really do need to, prob you need to start your build this week um, just to be ready for that first week, for that first race, because, you know, you want to get good placement in all the subsequent races. So, um so yeah, so building starts now, and you know, hopefully you're coming into this with a good aerobic base. You've done a lot of group rides, a lot of long fun rides, a few races. You might have already peaked for nationals, um, and and had a rest and started to work on some base again. But yeah, it's 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 time to start building again. And building really just kind of the difference between building and base. I would say are two main things. The first is your training just becomes more race specific. Um, and then the second thing is that in general, your easy rides are going to become easier and your harder rides are going to become more, more difficult, harder, which is, which is polarization, right? Like it, it becomes more polarized. Like, like I think, you know, early in the season when you're doing like spring group rides, you know, you can go out and hammer those and, and it's going to be fine. And and you really don't, you know, you can do intervals earlier in the season, but they shouldn't be the focus of your training. It's almost the less important part of your training earlier in the season. But now, um, hopefully you've got a good base that you're going to maintain and your hard workouts are, are going to be what you're going to focus on. So, so yeah, so we're, we're starting building right away. And, and this is kind of, again, in service of the idea that, like, ideally, you need to be at least okay for that first race. I think unless you have a rider in a category who is just head and shoulders above everyone else, 
you're not really going to see people winning all five mega races, right? Like generally, and this happens all the time, some kid I've never heard of wins the first race, right? And then they might even win the second and then do pretty good in the third. And then by the fourth, they're like 12th, 15th place or something. You know, like it is really, really hard to stick, you know, five perfect night races. I kind of think impossible again, unless you're just way better than everyone else in your group. Or you're kind of operating at 90% all the time, which is kind of how pros do it. Pros don't really... A lot of pros don't really peak for races. That's more of a kind of an amateur thing. A lot of pros are just expected to be at 90% most of the season. Um, but but I think what, what most kids do is they start, they've been building for Nike as soon as they got on the bike this spring. And so they're probably getting really, really fast right now, but they could also be pushing over training here soon too if they haven't been doing adequate resting and t- taking a mid-season break and pour, or periodizing their, their season properly. You know, you, you see a lot of kids kind of, they're, they're on fire at the first race and then they just die during the seconds and thirds and so forth. So. And, and they're replaced by kids who maybe had a slightly underwhelming first and second race and then they come really strong into the end of the season. And more and more, I think, is the training knowledge becomes a little more you know, democratized and people understand it a little more that you see kids being able to, oh, well, I want States. States is the big race. I'm okay with having maybe a subpar first, second race because my goal is, is that I'm going to focus on, you know, that really late season state chance race in St. George or Cedar City or wherever it is. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got a strong enough motor, you're going to do fine at all of them. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, we're talking about marginal here. We're talking yeah. about the difference between maybe five or six places. Like, you're not going to go from last place to first place or first place to last place. But yeah, if you've got a good enough engine, a good enough aerobic engine, you're going to show up a race and you're going to do good. You're going to do well at all of them. Uh, you're not going to have some amazing race where it feels like you you don't have a chain on your bike and you're just dancing. You know, those those are rare. Those those you're probably only gonna have two of those in your lifetime they feel good though they feel i think good. i've already had my two i was gonna say i'm yeah. still waiting for mine but so that's the first one you're just starting your building now it's time to start getting ready for racing now so the second one is we're gonna the second one is your intense workouts so let me just make this really really clear you really only need at most two intense workouts per week Three is not better than two. Four is way worse than two. And this is something we see so much from like really motivated kids who are like, well, that's for normal people, but I am exceptional and I can push through the pain and do four a week. No, really, truly, like it does not work. You know, like it's like saying like your car needs oil to operate. So the more oil you put in your car, the better, right? Like it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So and like sometimes pros will have weeks. They'll, they'll do like these these blocks where they'll do like three or four intense workouts during a week but then they'll take a lot of time to recover from that and you just yeah two is plenty but your hard workouts need to be dreadfully hard they need to be you really on these hard intense workouts you need to find your limits and you need to push those limits and I think most kids what they do is like when they're on a group ride they ride about 90 percent hard and then when they go to do their intervals or hard workouts they go 95 percent hard and you're just not going to get as good as you can be that way so when it's time to do a hard intense workout you find where your limits are and then you push those limits so i'm going to put myself in the in the shoes of a nike athlete here i'm expected to go to three or four high school practices this week 
what do I do? Do I tell my Nike coach that like, I need to go out and do my own ride with intervals? Do I like, how hard do I, do I go and ride with the slower kids this week? Like on, on my off days, do it like, how, how do you manage? Cause that is kind of tricky, right? Managing, showing up to your Nike rides and being a good participant and doing what you need for your training. What are your thoughts on that? That is a really, really good question. And it's one of those that we could do an entire podcast on group rides. And, um, you know, it still falls into that two hard, intense workouts per week. If if your Nike, if your group rides are really hard, really intense, feel like a race effort, they count as one of those two hard rides. And and honestly, for beginners and for non mature athletes, that might be better than trying to do intervals, because like for a lot of kids, they're more motivated by riding with other kids. And, it, you know, the, the peer pressure kind of pushes you to, to more than you would if you're trying to do intervals on your own. Um, there's, so that might be fine for a lot of beginner new riders. In fact, I think most newer riders really don't need to do intervals. I mean, if you don't have a sufficient base, intervals really aren't that beneficial if your base is insufficient. And, and so, yeah, for beginner riders, the group ride might be a great source for your intensity and, and, and so could practice races like midweek races and so forth could be, could be a better source for your intensity, but for mature and advanced athletes, there's huge advantages to doing structured work. And, and mainly what that advantage is, is you can, you know, and especially if you're able to look at power data, you're really able to get more quality time in zone with less, overall stress on your body if your work structured and so kind of like better bang for your buck right it's really better bang for your buck if you can do quality structured work rather than hard group rides um so my hope is with with your nike group rides because i hope you're going to at least one a week um i hope you're not just never going to them because you think it's not quality enough training it's still riding it's still training it's still going to make you faster um but hopefully in most cases, your group rides are just going to count as some of your aerobic maintenance or aerobic training. And, and, and kind of like hoping that coaches will kind of like work with the individual needs. Like, again, those beginner riders are, are going to be well served by the group ride. But maybe, and if you're a Nike coach listening to this, maybe consider if you've got a kid that you're hoping to post top 10s in varsity, maybe let them off the leash a little bit and say, you kind of maybe need to do your own thing. And, you know, like I, I, I don't think a lot of the top kids in varsity are just doing their Nike coaches prescribed rides every single time. Would, would you agree? Oh yeah, they're doing, yeah, most of their training is in between those rides and, you know, so yeah, those rides hopefully are sub-threshold, they're fun, they're aerobic, um, and, and those are miles or miles, they're going to help you get faster. I mean, so yeah, so your intense workouts need to be, there needs just to be a huge, huge contrast between your aerobic rides and your intensity rides. Um, you should be a little nervous when they're coming up. Um, so my favorite, you know, as far as intervals go, 30, 30s are my favorite to, to begin with. And we had a, someone write in and ask what 30, 30s are. So I might just give a quick explanation of those. Great tool to have in your interval toolbox. So I, I love 30, 30s because you get, you, you just get noticeable benefits relatively quickly from 30 by 30s, but they're not that stressful mentally. And you recover from them a lot faster than, say, longer VO2 max intervals. Really quickly, how you do them is 
you ride really hard, but not all out sprint. You're riding about, you know, a hard race pace for about 30 seconds. And then you ride at an endurance pace for 30 seconds and you alternate for about 10 times. And then you rest for a couple of minutes and you repeat that. And so practically speaking, you have to be careful with what trail you're doing these on. Like this sounds like it would be easy to do on a road bike up immigration, but if you're on a really up, up down trail and your 30 seconds comes along and you're kind of on an easy downhill part, like where do you think would be a good place to do these? Well, first of all, you don't need a road bike to do intervals on the road. No, I know, but you know, like... no, immigration Canyon, any Canyon road is great. Um, just there's like a lot of trails that are great. Like, like quarry is a good place to do intervals. If, as long as it's a nice, consistent climb, I think Immigration Canyon is probably the best place to do intervals. But if you can find a climb like that, you know, after you do 10, you can ride down while you're recovering for a couple minutes, and then you do 10 more, and then you ride down. And then kind of gradually work your way up the canyon. gradually work your way up the canyon. The, the trick and the challenging thing about 30 by 30s is, is, you know, only a few of our riders have power meters right now. It's really difficult to gauge your power on a 30 by 30 because what ends up happening is most kids are going to ride the first one at 700 watts. And by the time they get to the 10th one, they're down to 150 watts. So gradually, the art of it is gradually these are going to feel harder as you go. So like the first few feel pretty easy and manageable. By the time you're up to your 10th one, it should be very, very difficult that you are dying for that two minute rest so this and i think this bears repeating because this was this just hounded me when i was a nike kid trying to do intervals um the first two or three shouldn't feel that bad because if you do the first two or three as hard as you feel like you're ready to um and again this applies to everyone there's some miniature joe draper listening to this thinking oh but i have the willpower to push no like you really just the first two or three shouldn't feel catastrophic the last few should yes yeah, our rate of perceived exertion takes a while to catch up with what our body's actually doing, whereas like power is instantaneous. Heart And you can't really use a heart rate monitor to do these. Heart rate is just it's it's not just too big to last. Yeah, yeah, heart rate and RP aren't good. Power is better. And if you're a parent listening to this, I would seriously consider a, a power meter as an investment for your kid, I think is wise. You know, and they're really affordable these days. They're, you know? they're getting cheap. They're getting more manageable. Yeah, so. and, and again, this is something I will put myself out there. Email me at joedraper98 at gmail.com. Tell me, um, you know, uh, either I'm willing to break the bank or I need to do this on the cheap, what crank set your kid has, and I'll find some options for you. You know, it's funny. The other day, I started a ride. My power meter died. I had the hardest time finishing the ride. It was just so demoralizing for me. Yeah, and like like they can become a crutch. There's downsides and it's and stuff, but like really truly, if you're if your kid has aspirations to be a top level varsity racer, I think as time goes on, that's going to get close to impossible yeah, to do without power training. They're great for pacing your intervals. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult to pace. Intervals. And for a Nike kid, the power meter usually serves to slow them down on some stuff. For like for old fat guys in their fifties, the power meter makes you go hard enough. I think a power meter for a Nike kid usually serves to prevent them from going too hard to make it so you can finish a meaningful workout. Yeah, like on, on your group rides, you can you can prescribe to keep it below a certain wattage or so forth. So yeah, so the and then like your intense workouts after you've done 30 30s for about a month, you really want to do a workout for about a month till you get really, really good at it and then you can move on to another workout. You don't just sprinkle random workouts throughout the season. 
Then I like to make them a little longer intervals, like maybe two minutes, three minutes, um, sometimes five if you're crazy. But And then the other intensity ride that I love, and this is one of my favorites, and it's so simple but so fun. And I usually save this towards later in the season when you're peaking is rides with bursts. Rides with bursts are just so awesome because you basically tell the rider, okay, go on a ride. Most of the ride's easy. Every 10 minutes or so, I want you to throw in a five-minute all-out effort or 30 seconds or whatever you're working on at that point. But you just include those, and sometimes you can include those into your Saturday rides. But then that counts as one of your two intense workouts per week if you throw in the bursts. I would also throw out, and this is this is another classic Joe Draper mistake, I think we'll call him, is don't favor intervals and efforts that you're already good at. So I had really, really good sub one minute power in high school, and I liked doing those those efforts because they were gratifying, because I was faster than other people doing them, because I could post a cool power number. But I really struggled with five, 10 minutes, right? So if you're good at a five or 10 minute effort, but you really struggle in those 30 second punches, I would say throw more of those at yourself and not even just to physiologically prepare yourself for them as to like psychologically be ready to be like, hey, you know, like last year I just threw myself blindly into a cross race kind of, you know, on a whim almost. And it really was tough, like psychologically, like it, again, whether or not it changes you cellularly or physiologically, if there's a kind of effort that you're good at, maybe put that aside in your intervals for an effort that you psychologically struggle with a little more. You know, kind of on a side note along that, like, Weaknesses are pretty awesome when you think about it because weaknesses are just potential. This is why I'm so great, by the way. Lots of weaknesses. <laughs> no, like like if you have weaknesses, you just have so much room to improve. Whereas your strengths, sometimes you probably might be near your potential on your strengths. But if you can train some of your weaknesses, there's just so much room to improve. So weaknesses are awesome if you can. And there's like ongoing tension between Dan and I here where Dan's always trying to be like, hey, you know, you need to do longer rides. Like I rarely do rides over two hours these days, you know, and like just say, hey, you need to do longer rides. Come out and just have Park Studio on Saturday for eight hours. And I'm like, hey, Dan, you really need to do some shorter stuff. Come do a cross race. And, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, if you don't have a Dan in your life to push you or a Joe in your life to push you to do the things that you're not good at, you know, you'll have to be your own Dan and or Joe. Um, you know, like I, I think Dan, you've, you've committed to do some cross races at some point, right? I don't think I have, but I should, I really should. On the record, Dan, you're going to do some cross races, right? The thing right? is, everyone knows I only have one speed and that speed wouldn't do very well at a cross race. Well, that speed's slow. So, you know. Anyway, moving moving right along, we'll we'll stop racing okay. Dan for a minute here. So that that's our intensity, two intense sessions per week that really 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 count. So in the next one, number three, is you've got to maintain your endurance, your aerobic endurance. Um, you yeah, building you're kind of focusing on race fitness, but you still have to maintain your aerobic endurance, or you're gonna like about halfway through the Nike season, you're gonna kind of fall flat on your face. So. But your, your aerobic rides, you're not really trying to build your, your aerobic base as much as maintain it at this point. So one thing I would recommend is during your build, you're going to make your aerobic rides easier. You know, rather than like, you know, during the base season, you can kind of ride on the upper edge of zone two. And, and that's good. I'd, I'd kick it back towards the middle of zone two more. So you're maintaining it. Your body's still using it. It thinks it needs its aerobic systems. But you're not like wearing yourself out enough that you're, you know, digging into your ability to do that next interval workout. That's exactly. super, super critical. Yeah. Yeah. You're maintaining these abilities, but you're not necessarily improving them. 
Because if you stop, if you stop using them, you're going to lose them. But you're you're now just maintaining them. So stick more towards kind of your middle to low end of zone two, just so when it's time to do your quality workouts, you are just you're just kicking butt on those. Um, so I'd say too, being familiar with that pace is important because like. Uh, you're not in zone two a whole lot in Nike races, but you're also not at interval pace the whole time. You're like Nike races are basically a whole bunch of intense efforts punctuated, but or like maybe it's even more like you know the thing is you don't train at zone two because you race at zone two. No, but again, being familiar with it, like I think you need to be because I was really good at the really digging deep and pushing myself, but I had a hard time on the bits in between that. You know that little flat bit of single track between the two climbs at Powder Mountain or something like you know, be, you know, be, be okay and be comfortable at that pace. Like I didn't fall apart on the hard parts of the race. I fell apart at the easy parts of the race because they were too hard for me. Well, because your aerobic engine wasn't built up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's, yeah. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're building and maintaining your aerobic engine, your zone two kind of stuff. Not because you race at that. It's because that's what builds the big engine that can do the awesome things in the race. Um, Yeah. So a lot of times, like I, I like to do really long, stupid rides. Um, but I would probably limit your long weekend rides to, you really don't need to go over four hours. You don't want to do so much damage that it's going to take half a week to recover because you're just missing out on a lot of good training time. If you need an excessive amount of recovery from a really long ride you did on weekends. So, so four hours during your Nike season is probably the upper limit I would say for your long riders for experienced riders. Yeah, it's like I almost think of like a five-hour ride as an event anyway. You know, like you kind of have to like think of those. If they a five-hour ride is a warm-up. Oh, my gosh, Dan. No, but like for, for most of you normal cool people, um, you know, like a five- or six-hour ride, treat that like an event. You know, like that's not – that's probably going to tear you down as much as it's going to build you up, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm probably the one that's going to be guilty of getting you to go on longer than four-hour rides, but just know I'm wrong when I'm doing that. If a man in a white van offers you candy to come on a ride with him, just say no. So, um, yeah, so your endurance, your zone two rides, your aerobic rides really should not do anything to detract from the, your ability to train frequently or have high quality when you're doing your hard, awesome efforts. So, so that's number three. The next one, number four is recovery. Now, normally I preach that each month you have three work weeks and then one easy recovery week. How do you plan that into a Nike race season? You really can't. It just doesn't work out. So rather than that formula for recovery, um, during your Nike race season, you really don't have rest weeks anymore. Instead, what you do is you have a little bit of rest before the race, so you freshen up a bit before the race. And then a little bit of recovery, just kind of the, as little as you need after the race. And so you're kind of getting, you know, three or four days of recovery in surrounding your races. And this will kind of take place of, of your normal recovery weeks. Um, and I'm going to put an asterisk by that. You can take additional, like an additional recovery week during your NICA season if you sense that you're overtraining or you feel like something's off then definitely listen to your body, take some extra time off. But for the most part, your recovery is just going to come around your races. So I don't know if this is going to derail your talking points here, but I was, I was curious, this was a controversial subject when I was in NICA, like, do you start easing it up 
if your race is on Saturday, do you start easing it up on Wednesday? Do you start easing like Thursday, Friday? Am I jumping ahead here? No, this is you. Well, you told that's exactly what I was going to talk about next. It's such a good question. This is not a scripted show. I, really I, hope, you, I hope you guys can tell. <laughs> so um, he he really doesn't know what I'm going to talk about before I start. I try not to. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, obviously, I think most of us know that you want to show up to a race fresh. Like if, you know, if you've ever done like a really, really hard Saturday ride, you try to ride the next day, you're kind of crap, you know, or if you're like right after a big, long I-Cup race, if you had to race the next day, you probably wouldn't do your best. So it's important to show up fresh. So you do want to freshen up a bit before each Nike race. So... People are going to make mistakes in either direction. Some people are going to show up too fresh, and I'll explain why that's a problem in a second. Now, other people are going to show up to race fatigued, and they're not going to be able to do their best. Um, obviously, you don't want to show up fatigued because it's not going to be a good race, and I, I think that's pretty simple. Why wouldn't you want to show up, get too much rest before a race? I was kind of found, like, I, I, try, I toyed with this, and I have toyed with this even recently, like, I've taken two or three days off, like completely off before a day that I wanted to be strong and your legs feel crappy. Like I've almost found that like taking the Wednesday and the Thursday off might help me. And this again, probably personal, but then on Friday, just doing a quick little, you know, call them openers in the cycling world, you know, just kind of like, you know, maybe 30 minutes of hard riding, not enough to like make your legs fatigue, but kind of get, get, you know, get the juices pumping a little bit. Like I always found that I felt a little better if I did to kind of sharpen up right before. Yeah. And to answer my own question, why you don't want to take too much time off before each race is because over the season, like when you take a little bit of time off, you may not realize it, but you're actually losing a little bit of fitness. And if you take that little bit of time, say you take three or four days off before each Nike race to be fresh for it, that really adds up to almost a month of lost training by the time you show up to state championship, you've lost a lot of training. So, so that's why you need to rest enough, but not overdo it before each race. And I, I know a lot of kids, they'll have a Nike race coming up and they won't want to work out on Tuesday because they want to be fresh for Saturday. I'm like, no, you kind of need to figure out kind of the bare minimum. You just need to start freshening up and, and kind of push it up to that point. And the other thing too is, you know, like Joe was mentioning, your motor kind of shuts off a little bit if you don't. Um, if you're not using it. So so even if you are freshening up for a race, you still need to ride. You just need to shorten it and make it easier. And, and I think, too, like, to, to your other point really quick, I think it is a mistake to think of all five Nike races as A races. I think you need to think of the Nike season as an A event, which is really tricky to do. Like, you cannot be at your best every single Nike race, right? And it might be, like you said, that cumulatively you end up taking a month off, right? One of those breaks might be ideal for that one race, right? Like you might do that before the first race and feel great, do that before the second race and feel great, but you're kind of putting yourself into debt by doing that. So yeah, like exactly. you cannot have five perfectly ideal Nike races where you feel amazing. Like you're going to have to spread, it's like the World Cup season. You kind of, you have to be able to spread out your effort and fitness a little bit, you know, like yeah. you really only want to do a proper taper and even you don't really even have time to do a proper taper in a Nike season. Um, but you know, if, if any race you're going to really rest up for, it's going to be the last one. The other ones you're going to need to, you're really trying to maintain good fitness and continue to build 
throughout the season through these other races. And, and I think like one one really sorry to cut you off there. One really quick note. I kind of want to change in the cycling world. I care less about the state champion than I care about the overall winner. Like I care. I honestly like the rainbow stripes are cool. I think the like winning worlds is less impressive than winning the World Cup overall. So like I think focus on states. Yeah, states is important. You want to represent and stuff. But like. I think I am so much more impressed by the rider that gets second, third, second, first, second than the rider who gets first, first, twelfth, twelfth, fifth, or something yeah. like that. Like I don't know if that makes sense, but no, absolutely consistency. Yeah, consistency awesome. over That's being what... killer one or two races. I think be really good all five is, is more impressive to me at least. I think we should change our mentality on that collectively. But that's my hot take of the day. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of a a general rule to balance the freshening up for each race. And, and this is totally individual for it's it's going to work differently for everybody and you really ultimately need to find out what works best for you but as a general rule usually thursday like i would do a normal hard fairly hard workout on a wednesday and then thursday i would do a recovery ride i would not take the day off the bike though because you're going to get you're going to feel crappy and rusty and then Friday, I would do a few openers, like an easy ride with a few openers, like a few race pace efforts, just to kind of show your legs what you're going to be doing. And then Saturday, I'd warm up and race. So yeah, so really Wednesday would be a normal hard training day. But then Thursday, you do a quality recovery day with a little bit of a recovery spin just to keep things moving and pumping out of your legs, pumping out of your system. Some openers on Friday and then racing Saturday. So you're getting a little bit of rest before the race. But then after the race, this is super important. After the race, you really need to make sure you are recovered before you start hard workouts again. I think this is a mistake so many kids make. They, they do their race, and then they have a hard team ride on Tuesday. They're feeling crappy for it, but they do the hard ride anyway. And then you're just kind of starting to dig a hole a little bit. So after the race, um, you know, kids, they recover so fast until they don't. But usually, you know, two, three days, a couple days, I don't know, till, till you're starting to feel good again, just ride easy until you feel recovered from the race before you start to do any quality hard workouts. Um, I would say, you know, Sunday, Monday, keep, you know, take Sunday off, easy ride Monday, and then maybe by Tuesday you might be ready for a quality workout. If you go to do that quality workout on Tuesday and you're not ready, do an easy ride instead and move it to Wednesday, and you might feel great on Wednesday. And we should throw it to like on, on polarization, like make sure these are actually easy rides. That that's another problem I have. I have found I cannot do an easy ride on my own. Um, my most successful tactic for doing easy rides with the past few years is take my girlfriend out for a ride. You know, go take your dad out for a ride, take your mom out for a ride. Somebody who is going and then unless your dad's me. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that would be too easy. Uh, no, but like I go out with with somebody or or do something to prevent yourself from going too hard. You know, like say like I'm I'm gonna go and I'm gonna stick with dad today, right? And then you know, ideally, you won't be able to ride hard if you're me at least. You won't be able to ride hard enough to do any damage, right? No, but I actually I I I go on Zwift and I lock my erg mode into like you know 150 watts or whatever. You know, it depends on who you are, but and just keep it really easy and. On one more note for like, you know, me casting myself back into the past, like you cannot go and climb big mountain snowbird easy. I don't even really think you could like climb Armstrong that easy. Like really, truly do an easy ride. Go somewhere where you're not going to be forced to do 
a whole series of huge efforts to get over, you know, like, if you lived in St. George, I wouldn't do Zen on my easy day, right? Like, go at, go really, genuinely go easy. You know, it's easier if you have a power meter again, you know, to harp on that. But yeah, go easy on the easy days. Yeah. But do go. So yeah, so just really doing intervals when you're tired and recovering from race, they're pointless. Because you're not able, really, you know, when you, when you do your intervals and your hard efforts, you want the circumstances to be ideal so you can push past what you've ever pushed before. You know, you really want the temperature to be right, the elevation to be right, your, your, your physical, your freshness to be right, so you're pushing new limits. And if you try to do your hard workouts when you already feel like crap, you're really just making yourself suffer and not really getting a huge benefit. So if you go to do a hard workout after a race and you're just feeling like crap, it's amazing the difference a day can make, waiting another day. So, so yeah, so you're going to get a little recovery before the race to freshen up, a little bit of recovery after, and usually that's going to be enough to count for your recovery during the, during the race season. But if you're starting to feel like your performance is starting to suck and you're, you're unexplainably doing worse than you think you should be, that's a sign that you might need to take some additional rest. Taking a week off during the NICA season and only doing super, super, super easy rides that week is, if you need it, it's only going to help. I, I do have one question really quick. I don't want to go too long here, but I, I, I wonder when you, the whole, like at the end of this whole process is you determining how well you're doing. I think a lot of Nike kids struggle with this as well, where they think they need to be a certain place or they need to finish faster than a certain rider. Like, how would you tell, if you were a Nike rider, what would you look like for, I had a good race or a good season versus I had a bad race or a bad season? Like, what are the, the better markers to look at than the number you finished at or who you finished above or behind? You know, that's a really good question unless you're looking at data. I mean, if you have power data to look at, you can tell if you're setting personal records or... or um, you know, but you still can't really can compare to other people and tell how well you're doing because you might not have gotten worse. They might just have gotten better. And that kind of goes back to our whole TBY subject. But, you know, you, you just know. You feel like you just it feels off. You know, stuff hurts more than it probably should. Or, you know, and there's other, I mean, we can do a whole podcast on overtraining, but, you know, you can tell by resting heart rate and heart rate variability and, and how your legs feel when you're walking up the stairs and you know there's in, in your mood and your ability to sleep and your ability to eat there's there's a whole lot of indicators that that something could be off but yeah i guess i guess learn that for yourself don't say you know because like i've seen kids who I, i'm like i'm sure your power is fine i'm sure you're riding well this kid you think you're faster than is just actually faster than you that doesn't mean you're having a bad season right and conversely if you're like, oh, this kid won my category last year and I'm beating him this year, that doesn't mean you're having a good season, right? Like, don't use other people as benchmarks. Use numbers as benchmarks. And again, not the number you're finishing at because those are based on other people. I've had people misconstrue that before. Like, if you can, look at your power. If you can, look at your heart rate. And then if not, just use good judgment. You know, like, you could you could be twice as strong and finish five places lower because the field got better than it was last year. So, you know, I, I think that's yeah. something good to watch out for. Yeah, don't... don't base how you're doing on how you compare to other people. So the last one, number five, is just a few a few miscellaneous items. So I mean, this I really could have called this a list of 10, but I'm just going to sneak a whole bunch of things into number five. Um, one is, you know, if you're doing cross training, cross training is great, 
but do it wisely. I know a lot of kids that will go like climb Mount Olympus on the week between races and then you know they're doing a whole bunch of eccentric movements that make your muscles sore for three or four days after the after the hike so they miss out on three or four days worth of specific training towards the races so you know you can still go on a hike just make sure it's not gonna you know you don't, you're not gonna need an entire day or two or three to recover from it I'm not saying that like you have to be a total totally pious training mug during NICA, but like do consider that there are some things that you are going to do that could have a detrimental effect on your yeah. NICA racing. You know? Yeah, so you can cross train during the races. Just don't do anything that's going to injure you or or require excessive amounts of recovery. And, yet, and a lot of times it's bagging peaks. You know, I would do that during the early season, during the off season. Excellent off season activity. Yeah, and there's oh, like winter hiking like, is so like underrated. Favorite. I've loved that. I can't recommend winter hiking enough. It's my favorite cross train, and we'll talk about that later too. But yeah, just don't do anything that's going to kill your legs for, yeah. for three. Like days. if your family has a hundred year old tradition of, of bagging whatever pico this weekend in the Nike season, do it. But just like you have to be aware that like that is not ideal preparation. Yeah, it's going to cost you a few a few training days and. So, and the other thing is, too, is if you're not, and I say this a lot, if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. I think, you know, when you're doing intervals, do them in a fun place. You know, go on your group rides, ride with friends. Don't always stress out too much about, you know, whether you're training perfectly or in the right zone. It's okay just to go on rides and have fun and not worry about things. If every ride should really be fun. Yeah, like, I used to think that, like, if I was having fun, I wasn't going hard. You know, I, I think it's, I, like, I don't think most Nike kids have the personality or the maturity to, like, thrive by doing a workout where they tape a sticky note to their top tube every time with times and powers they're supposed to hit. Like, that's, I think, something that I'd reserve for an older athlete. Like, for you guys, like, again, like, do fun stuff. Go somewhere fun and, like, here's a trail that, here a climb that I know is challenging and I know that there are these four or five hard parts. Make those your intervals. You know, like, it doesn't have to be sterile, lab-driven work um you know just make sure it's quality yeah so yeah have fun guys um and then you know we've, we've talked about nutrition a lot this is a great time to you know to just add more nutritious foods to your diet sleep is a huge one what would happen i want you guys to try and see you know if you're not getting seven to eight hours or seven to ten even for athletes. A lot of professional athletes get about ten hours of sleep per night. If you're only getting six, maybe seven hours, try and get another hour of sleep and see what happens. It's it's like the easiest and least expensive way to get noticeably faster. So so that's one. And then um, uh, you know one last thing I just want to point out. If you know if your season's so far, you know if you kind of feel like you really haven't been doing your best. Maybe you've been inconsistent. Maybe you had a period of time that you just didn't ride for a while. Um, if you start now, you can still have an awesome season if you start to be consistent right now. You know, when, when you're off the bike or haven't been riding a lot, you get you make improvements pretty quick when you first get, get onto it, and then it kind of tends to plateau a little bit, and the gains become more and more marginal. But... If you start now and are consistent and work hard and ride lots, you can finish the season having an awesome season. It's not too late. It's far from not too late right now. So, oh, yeah, 100%. But 
it is the time to start. Yeah, now is the it, it will be too late soon. Yeah, but it it's will not be too yet. Late, but yeah, if, if yeah, so yeah, and and again, like Nika, I think should be fun and rewarding, and um, I think like if you're listening to this and you think you're too good for Nika, you're not. You know, like I, I I doubt I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who is, but like Nika is really cool. Um, I know that there's some frustrating things about it. I know that there are a lot of kids. Um, uh, but yeah, like Dan said, like this is, uh, uh, you know, I think this is kind of the make or break point where you have a, an opportunity to do something great with this season. If you've already had a great season, then great. Um, but if you haven't, this is your time, you know, rise up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll, uh, um, one parting note, I do want to do another tech episode. I've been compiling some other stuff. Please send me your tech questions. It can be as complicated as can you do satellite shifters with a campy EPS system or as basic as what's the difference between wheel sizes. Like totally game to talk about anything. Um, one more time, my email is joedraper98 at gmail. We'll get a show email eventually. What's your favorite bottom bracket? My favorite bottom, T47. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll save the nerdiness for later, but uh, send us your questions as always. Ride safe and uh, yeah, looking forward to the Nike season.